0: This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse and each week this spring we will be honoring the seniors of a Bates team that did not get to finish its season due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This week we chat with the three senior captains from the men's lacrosse team, plus an interview with head coach Peter Lasagna. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. (laughs) Bobcast. Bates men's lacrosse team went through a lot this year, both on and off the field. Plagued by injuries, the Bobcats got off to a slow start before their season ended prematurely. Then came the news that Class of 2016 alum and two-time Bates All-American Jack Allard was sick with the novel coronavirus. Allard is well on his way to recovery, now home with his family. But it's been a tough few months for the Bobcats. Senior captains William Holland, Curtis Napton, and Matt Lestava join the Bobcast this week to look back on their careers and reflect on what the Bates men's lacrosse program means to them.
1: William, we'll start with you on, on defense, team captain this year, um, along with Curtis and, and Matt. But take us back when you were in high school looking for colleges. What ended up making Bates the place for you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I'm from Ridgewood, New Jersey. Uh, I went to Ridgewood High School right outside uh, Manhattan. When I was kind of looking for my college decision where I wanted to go, I definitely knew I wanted to go to a NESCAC school. My sister went to Trinity um, and obviously knew I wanted to play lacrosse. So I spoke with Coach Lasagna briefly uh, at a recruiting tournament in Rhode Island and then scheduled a visit up in Maine. Um, I was slated to kind of go through the classic Bates, Bowdoin, Colby, uh, and Bates was the first school, so I got on campus, spoke with Coach Lasagna for a while, and just fell in love with the campus, just everything I learned about the program. And I absolutely loved Coach Lasagna, and right there, I kind of knew it was the school I wanted to go to. Didn't end up visiting either of the other schools, but and I kind of just choose Bates as a place for me, and, and that was that.
1: Excellent. In your first year, the team goes on to see it during the regular season, NCAA quarterfinals. What was that like as an introduction
2: to, uh, to college lacrosse? Absolutely, that was it. It really couldn't have gone any better. I, I I like to think that we were a little bit spoiled early on, but the uh, senior class were just an amazing group of guys, and to be able to learn from them the work ethic that they brought every day um, on the field, kind of all aspects of being in the program, to learn from them, it really had a, a lasting impact, and we certainly tried to replicate in our uh, years after that. Curtis, you're a
1: Mainer from Westbrook. When you were looking at colleges, were you thinking Bates right off the bat, you know, it being from, you know, in Maine and everything, or were you looking elsewhere perhaps? What made Bates a place for you in the end? Like you said, I'm from Westbrook, um, and I was lucky enough beginning, I think,
3: sophomore year in high school to develop a relationship with, T.J. Bell, who is an old assistant at Bates um, through the Maniac Lacrosse program that Coach Allen actually runs now, he kind of hooked me up with Charlie Fay, and we just kind of got to talking, got to meet some of his friends, Kyle Weber, Jake Walsh, those guys, Freddie Ulbrich, and, you know, kind of just talked with Coach Lasagna, talked with T.J. Bell. Uh, visited Bowden, kind of looked at Bowden a little bit, but I think Bates kind of early on for me was the clear front runner, and happy it ended up working
1: out. What was it like, you know, playing in your home state? I assume friends and family got to see you quite a bit.
3: Yeah, uh, so super lucky. Uh, my grandparents and my parents got to see me pretty much every game, which was very, very nice. There's no place like playing in Maine, and there's no way you'd rather be than playing a home game on Garcon Field on a beautiful day in Maine. So I definitely really take some pride in being from Maine, and it's one of the things that was most attractive about Bates for me.
1: And then, Matt, I mean, take us back to your first year coming in here immediately put in the starting lineup, uh, working with, you know, Charlie Faye, Andrew Melvin, having the undefeated regular season, you know, all uh, right off the bat, just having such a huge impact on the program. What was that like for you? Take us back when you, you were know, 18, 19 years old uh, as a first year in 2017.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, it was definitely crazy. Uh, the, the first year was kind of, it kind of flew by. Um, but it was just one of those things where, We all, our entire freshman class kind of came in and um, like wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, just ready to get after it and play hard. And we, the senior class definitely was like one of the most welcoming and like hard-working, competitive people that like we've ever really met. And it was, it was, it was kind of super nice to be able to adjust to, to just like go into it and, see how they kind of competed and just try to match that. Um, so, I mean, we were fortunate enough to play throughout the fall and like kind of adjust. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's, it's a vice and also a virtue of like NESCAC lacrosse and like not having our coaches and stuff like that all fall. I, I think, it, I think it's a testament to how well the team was really run without the coaches uh, throughout the fall and the winter of just having um the freshmen really, really get acclimated to playing college lacrosse with one another. So I think, like, in that in that sense, uh, having, like, the whole fall to kind of adjust to playing attack and playing against college defensemen, I think really prepared me individually and I think really prepared, like, our class as a whole to be able to, like, compete every single day.
1: Great. And then, William, this uh, your senior class, Class of 2020, I mean, there's 14 of them, who, based on my count here on the roster, pretty fairly big senior class, fairly big roster in general, of course, for men's lacrosse. But what's this group like, William? Just take us inside kind of this group's kind of personality as, as a unit kind of.
2: Absolutely. Um, so coming in, uh, like we've touched on a lot, the, uh, our seniors, our freshman year were incredibly close, uh, really, uh, really like kind of welcoming group. Um, so we saw how well they got along with each other they push each other to get better, and that certainly was something we tried to replicate in our uh, four years learning from them. So, like, our our grade, there's a bunch of us who are incredibly close group. Um, We try to, like, go through making decisions of a team, like as a, like, cohesive body, making decisions as 14, and I think that really kind of helps us have, like, a successful four years, just, like, being so close. We've lived with each other all four years, and that definitely uh, has helped us. And
1: then, Curtis, for you, you know, you you were a captain last year as well as a junior, um, got an All-American All-America honor, second team All-New England. What was that like to have kind of a, a breakthrough junior season after, you know, you were playing quite a bit and contributing a lot in the first two years as well, but what, what kind of changed for you in terms of from a leadership perspective last year perhaps?
3: Sure. I think it was a little bit being, you know, kind of more in that leadership role and having those two years. Um, I think freshman year was – you know, obviously we had that really, really great offense and a lot of really good offensive midfielders ahead of me. Um, so to be able to learn from them, um, obviously I you know, talked about Kyle and Charlie. Kind of sophomore year, having a little bit of a growing period of being a bigger contributor on the team, I think, and then junior year having it, you know, being able to work with Matt, um, being more comfortable playing with Andrew Small, and then having Jack Scribner with me as well. Um, just kind of gave me the confidence, I think, um, and, you know, you know, last year's offense was pretty pretty outstanding in terms of how well we work together. So being, you know, one of those pieces uh, and able to find my nature is pretty cool.
1: You know, obviously you mentioned working with Matt, Matt the all-time assist leader here at Bates. Curtis, what was that like to receive passes from him? Because clearly he sees the field very well.
3: Yeah, uh, he made my job pretty easy, about as easy as it could be. Um, you know, Coach always talks about how scoring goals – uh without the ball in your stick is a lot easier than scoring goals with the ball in your stick um and when you have the best you know quarterbacking attackment in the country throwing you the ball it doesn't get much easier than that uh, definitely made my life a lot more fun
1: matt how did you develop that field vision i mean it was obviously you know it was there right away you're at 32 assists in the first year how do you work on that how do you see the field so well in terms of take us inside that a little bit from a playing perspective
4: well, I think, like, over over the years, it definitely progressed. It was one of those things where freshman year, um, I mean, like, it, let me just start out with, like, when you're on a team of, like, 60 guys, and it's all, like, one collective action, one collective goal to win every single game, you really just try to find your role within the team and just try to do that to the best of your ability. So, like, Freshman year specifically, I didn't have to do a lot of feeding. I didn't have to do a lot of dodging. Like, I wasn't asked to do any of that, and I don't think I was ready to compete and do that the way that the upperclassmen were able to do. Uh, all I was really asked to do was to be a really good facilitator, be a really good off-ball player, and finish the shots that I was. I had the opportunity to have. Um, so in that respect, freshman year was probably a left-handed attackman's dream of just playing with those, the people who I was surrounded with. And then once they graduated sophomore year, I was like, I, I, I knew it that um, I knew that people didn't really respect me individually as a player. So I kind of had that chip on my shoulder of, of trying to prove myself individually, but also understanding how my role had to change within the offense of having going from just an off ball scoring threat to, okay, I, I need to dodge. I need to dodge and have my head up because it only takes a couple times to like dodge and like get a good look at the net for like defensemen to start sliding. And ultimately like it's it's not really about being an individual goal scorer as much as it is being an, a great teammate and trying to um, open up opportunities for everyone else because it, it's it's relatively easy to stop someone offensively when they're kind of, one-sided so and I knew that going into it so that was definitely something that each year I kind of tried to progress a little bit as a player of having sophomore year trying to prove myself as a Dodger junior year trying to improve myself as a Dodger and a feeder and then senior year was a whole different animal but um I, I think recognizing where my spot was on the offense I think really helped me um adjust to uh how our team as a whole changed
1: Certainly, and and William obviously this senior year has been uh, difficult on a number of fronts. Um, obviously for the entire college, but men's lacrosse in particular. You mentioned earlier you're from Ridgewood, New Jersey. Jack Allard, class 2016, also from uh, Ridgewood, New Jersey. Um, you you know his family. Obviously he luckily he has fought through COVID-19. He's out of the hospital, but it was quite the situation earlier. You know in the year here this past couple of months what was it like from your perspective and also the programs because you knew about this before kind of I think everyone else did
2: yeah absolutely uh Jack was a freshman at Bates when I was a uh, freshman in high school so I saw him kind of go through his career Ridgewood do really great things and then ultimately go to the next level of Bates have a ton of success here so he kind of was like a role model in that regard Um, but yeah, the season ended, um, that week we had a game on Tuesday against Western New England. And obviously we heard the season ended and then the, uh, academic year was cut short. We all had to go home. So obviously we're all incredibly disappointed about that. Um, obviously no one wants their senior, senior year to get cut short, especially with the goals that we had, but then coming home, like, being living in the New York metro area, kind of seeing how bad it was here. Like, there's a ton of cases in Bergen County, obviously. New York is the epicenter. Um, and then hearing about Jack's story, someone who I know personally who is such a such a big part of this program without the success he has, I think it really put in perspective for all of us how serious this was, how it was kind of like a young, healthy person um, who, like, was really in our situation a few years ago playing across for Bates and seeing how, like, someone like that could get as sick as he was. I think it all kind of put in perspective how we had to cut our season short and go home kind of for, like, a, for like a larger purpose to kind of try to, try to beat this.
1: Have you got a chance to talk to him since he's uh, been released from the hospital?
2: Yeah. I um, Our team did a little fundraiser, and we brought the Allard's uh, dinner. Um, and when we dropped off the dinner, I was able to see Jack, uh, and then he shot me a text. So just to see him up and about and to be out of the hospital, it's really amazing. It's, it's so encouraging. It's really the type of win we all need to see right now. Curtis,
1: I don't know how well you knew Jack at all, but what are your thoughts on how this team has fought through this, this crazy kind of situation here over the past few months? Yeah, I think Jack kind of
3: symbolizes everything that we like to think that Bates Lacrosse is. You know, like a, a super tough guy, fierce competitor with a chip on his shoulder, kind of going through that every day. Um, like Will said, it's such a crazy, you know,
2: thing to have a guy that had
3: that much athletic success and was that big a role model to all of us, you know, coming in. Like he's the reason Matt wears forty five. Um like nice. to see him kinda of go down with it. Um and then just just see his heart and his fight throughout it and then you know, the baby community but also just the lacrosse community more broadly to kinda of rally behind Jackie I mean guys like professional players, Paul Rabel
2: who brought the professional Crossly uh
3: you know giving you a shout out really shows kind of the the close knit nature of our sport, which is uh super encouraging. It was really, really awesome to see him pull through
1: it. I was gonna say, yeah, Matt, we're at number forty five uh, lefty lefty score, just like just like Jack, so you have a connection to him there as well, right,
4: yeah, definitely, I mean like just like Holland and just like Curtis, you kind of see these players playing throughout your their time at Bates before you even get a chance to put on Bates jersey so. That was definitely someone that I looked up to um, as an attackman. Uh, and just being able to, when he graduated, it was, I was fortunate enough to when he graduated, that left-handed attack spot became open. And that's, I knew coming in freshman year, like that was the only opportunity I was going to have. And it, I was like, I'm going to try my best to um, wear his number and just try to compete the way that he did. Um, I mean, it's it's not hard to admire his, like, low-to-high, like, time-in-the-room shot. Like, that's not something that everyone, atta- every attackman in the country wants to be able to just consistently hit that because it's just one of, like, the most um, beautiful shots in the world to see. And, like, seeing that um, consistently hit and seeing, like, the way that he played the game um, in, in high school was something that I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is something that I, I would love to embody and try to replicate. Um, so definitely I definitely had a source of inspiration from Jack Allard coming in today's college and and I knew right away coming in that I, I mean we don't really have numbers guaranteed it's just one of those like kind of random things where you uh request certain numbers and if it works out it works out and if it doesn't it doesn't but I was fortunate enough to get 45 and I was so happy to uh wear that number for four years.
1: Excellent. Um, you know, William, take us back. You know, you know obviously, there's a lot of memorable games uh, for the senior class, but if you had to isolate maybe a couple that really stand out to, to you during your time at Bates that you you think you'll remember, you know, ten years down the road, what would those be uh, uh, from your from your time as a Bobcat?
2: Absolutely. Um, I think one that, that really comes to mind is uh, the Wesleyan game last year. Um, just mm-hmm. the success we had freshman year, obviously, like everyone knows. Uh, undefeated regular season um and then ultimately be cut short by Wesleyan and then to take kind of a a step back and all of us like the sophomores kind of take a developmental uh step forward sophomore year we certainly didn't have the on-field success we wanted to and then junior year early on to get a win like that over a team that was a defending national champion I think it was their first loss since uh like the year before since winning the national championship uh at home that was just like an unbelievable game and it really uh really was like a big step forward for us. We kind of knew where we could go. Um, And certainly had this year gone forward, we would have liked to get some more wins like that. But that one really kind of just was like a a big step forward for for us to kind of see where we could go and how good we could be. Great. Curtis, how about for you?
3: Yeah, I I think obviously that game, you can't really mention our time here without talking about that game. Um, But for me, it was every single time we played Bowdoin. our freshman year and hmm. game was crazy going down to their AstroTurf and you know, kind of having one of the few games that year where we struggled a little bit um, and to just see how hard we finished that game and, you know, having Kyle hit those two shots at the end to end up winning by one. Um, and then last year specifically at their place, first time on the new turf, um, you know, we kind of thought we came out pretty hot in that game and thought we were going to roll them. And, you know, in, in main fashion, um, you know, they fought hard and competed. Um, Got back in it, and to be able to put them away, uh, which I didn't know it at the time, but the last time I was going to play them uh, was super satisfying for me. Um, Just that's a little bit of a rivalry I kind of have in my own head with that program, so pretty awesome to beat them.
4: Great. And then,
1: Matt, for you, um, would it be those nine goals and four assists you had against Amherst in the NCAA tournament or something else
4: that stands out to you? I mean, yeah, it's hard to not, like, look back, like, nostalgically and, and love those games of, like, the Amherst freshman year and Wesleyan last year. But I think for me specifically, it's like – I think when I look back at Bates across and the things that I really I really think I'm going to miss the most, it's it's not really – those game days that went really well, it's, it's those like Friday morning conditioning sessions and those Friday afternoon in the fall inner squad scrimmages. It's what, it's the, it's the, it's the things that no one really sees. Like it's, it's not really um, as publicized about Bates lacrosse because it's not game day, but it's really what makes up the character and the foundation of what Bates Lacrosse is. And I think, like, those those moments are so impactful for team building and for getting us prepared for game day that the the moments of us beating these big teams is, I think, a result of all of, like, these little things that we try to do every single day and try to do every single week to a consistent basis that it, it makes those things super – I, I guess looking back, it's it's easier to look back than it is while you're in it. I mean, when you're when you're walking to conditioning class Friday morning, you don't you're not in in appreciative gratitude like a, you're not you're not grateful for what's about to happen. But uh, <laughs> it's it's one of those things looking back to where like I would I would give a lot to go to a Friday conditioning class with Mike Shelter and just like run. Like, that that's just one of those things that is, is so – it's so – such a part of Bates Lacrosse that it's hard not to appreciate.
1: We're Going around the panel again here, William, you know, any final thoughts you wanted to share about your time on the men's lacrosse team at Bates that we haven't gone to talk about yet?
2: Uh, I just think it's – we're in such an interesting situation. Um, like, obviously, having had the year cut short, and then we all kind of have to stay at home with uh, social distancing. So we've had tons of a lot of time to, to – think about it and digest the season, I mean, in the fashion it did. And truly, to to kind of echo what Matt said, the things that I'm really going to miss about playing across the baits it it isn't really – obviously, we love the big wins. Um, You try to (laughs) – certainly try to forget the the tough losses. But, yeah, the day-to-day, just, like, spending time with the guys, like, I think one of the strengths about our program is how close and strong our relationships are, like, with each other, uh, the players, with the coaches – I think it really is something unique and just, I'm just going to miss after like a nice long hard week of practice, like getting ready on Friday for a big game on Saturday. Um, Just, just stuff like that is really going to be what I miss and certainly going to look forward to our next aspect of our Bates athletic career is uh, cheering those guys on next year and in years to come, as they do big things. Great.
1: Curtis, how about for you? Any final thoughts you want to share? Yeah, uh, I I just
2: think the
3: what I'm gonna really remember most about my time is kind of the progression to the the level of commitment that we saw, you know, from across the board. Obviously, our seen our freshman year, it was really great having this really really talented team that won a billion games. And then kind of moving on from that, having a tough year sophomore year, coming in as a junior, it was you know, what changes can we make? Um, what things can we do a little bit differently to try to improve ourselves? just kind of changing, you know, mentality for practice. We added in a morning lift um, senior year, just you know, doing little things differently to try to do things that we'd never done before um, and accomplish our goals of, you know, NASDAQ tournament success, getting back to the NCAA tournament, things like that. So to be able to have those things go really well and really see kind of a jump forward athletically with our team, you know, through the help of Coach Seltzer, Coach Dean, Coach Lasagna, that was really, really cool. And I think it's definitely something to look out for. We're just going to get, you know, faster and stronger moving forward and be very, very good. So I'm really excited to see what we do.
1: And Matt, how about for you? Any final thoughts?
4: It's hard not to just appreciate everything that Bates has has given us. I mean, like, it's it's truly, it, it's interesting to be like, I. it was a lot of fun and on to the next chapter of our lives, but it's just kind of it's hard to like look back and not see how it's completely shifted, how my life has really gone. I mean, if I had gone to a different school, how would I be the same person? And and I don't I don't think the answer is yes. I think Bates Across specifically has been one of the most impactful organizations, group of guys that I've ever really been a part of. And it's not just the guys who I'm playing with on Saturday because the uh, the network at Bates and like the the alumni network within Bates across is something that um, I I'm, I'm super excited to to be a part of. I mean, like as Holland said, it's it's one of those things where the Bates across alumni network is just so supportive that it's almost like you never truly leave the Bates Cross family. So. In in that aspect, I I have nothing but appreciation for everything Bates has given me.
0: Bates men's lacrosse head coach Peter Lasagna joins us this week as well to look back on the Bobcats' abbreviated season and to talk about each of the 14 seniors and what they mean to the program.
5: Honestly, Aaron, I, I think the most lasting thing as I sit here today is it made me really, and I hope I've always been this way, but... I think it made me particularly uh, grateful for who these young men are, um, who their families are, how hard they work, uh, how devoted they are to Bates and to Bates lacrosse, and, and to each other. And you know, as Holly said, when we we did a, a virtual Senior Day uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, Holly asked if she could be on it, my wife and she, and I, of course I said yes. And Uh, You know, at the end of it, she just said, you guys don't understand what a hole this has left uh, in Peter. And she didn't mean being one in five, and she she didn't mean, uh, you know, how all the bizarre stuff and the absurd injuries and all that stuff. I mean, maybe that was wrapped into her statement, but it was just not being able to finish, you know, not being able to finish with these men uh, who have been with us. I mean, it's a big group, and they've been with us for you know, for four years. And so uh, the biggest impression is, is just that, you know, it's made me really appreciate them, um, really appreciate, as I said, their devotion and, and their commitment. And uh, I hope it makes me really grateful, and I hope it makes us all really grateful for the blessed time that will arrive at some point in our lives when we get to all be together again.
1: Certainly. And let's go through the seniors. As you mentioned, there are a lot of them. We'll go alphabetical order. Thomas Atwater defender out of san francisco california didn't get to play a lot during his career but obviously stuck with the program which with all those practices and not getting to play that much can be a difficult task for anyone but he did and so tell us what what thomas atwater meant to the program
5: yeah well you just you just sort of framed my my response um you know tommy was really snake bitten uh i mean two or three different times over the course of his career Just when he had put together his most solid days, you know, consecutive weeks of of really starting to step up to the level that we believed that that he could always get to, um, he would have just, you know, another nagging injury. And he's, I mean, he's one of the very best students on our team and and has been that consistently uh, since he arrived here. So he was a great mentor and and tutor to a lot of our people, um, but was what you just described, you know, just had that, incredibly even, upbeat attitude, you know, was never, or at least outwardly never showed his, uh, his disappointment um, at things he could not control. And when he was healthy and was able to be out there, he was the utility infielder. He'd, he'd go wherever we needed him to be at the close defense or out in the midfield, wherever we had a need. And, and again, and, and you just said it, you know, and I think this is becoming more and more rare with time, he really cared about coming to practice and competing at a really high level and helping his team prepare. And so if the most important thing that he could do for the team that day was really devote himself to understanding the scout man down or the scout defense of the other team, um, he was going to do that. And that's special. You know, that, that tells you a lot about him. And he will be incredibly successful in life.
1: Matt Lestava is the all-time points leader in Bates men's lacrosse history and he got to play in just three games as a senior because he was injured to start the year. I mean, that's an incredible feat. He's been through it all. He was the lefty finisher of the first year. He, he ran the offense the last couple seasons. I mean, what more can you say about what he's been able to accomplish, one of the great players in the entire program's uh, history here?
5: Yes, you, you described him well, and, and, you know, I will have the rest of my life, though I know this is not rational, I'll have the, the rest of my life to, to be mad at myself Um, for when Matt was honored uh, as Male Athlete of the Year this past fall, um, coming out of his junior year, obviously, which was spectacular, uh, I made the comment out loud in public, um, you know, that Matt was a three-time All-American already and so likely to be the first four-time All-American in the history of our program. And clearly I should not have said that out loud. And, you know, I, I think we learned, you know, we didn't get to see the player that, that Matt would have been uh, had he not been injured in November, obviously. But what we did see uh, and what we what we already knew that about Matt, but what was really demonstrated boldly from the moment he got hurt was that he just kept the mantle of leadership first and foremost. And so now it was not about him. And it was not about, I mean, he worked really hard to get better obviously and got back out onto the field, but, he knew it was not going to mostly be about him. It was going to be about helping other people prepare, helping the people that were going to be asked to to try to replace him um, or at least play the position um, to help get them the most ready and just to keep people focused on everything else but him. Um, and, again, that just uh, that tells you what an extraordinary young man that he is and, and how lucky we were to have him. Um, and, you know, yeah, we all sure wish, as, as Matt and his family and all his friends and teammates do, that we would have been able to see him play. Um, you know, we, what we got to see was we got to see some other people step into to opportunities, and, and some of them do really, really great things with those opportunities. But, um, yeah, no, he's a special player, uh, the all-time leading scorer. You don't have to say a whole lot more than that. But um, he really, you know, he elevated his game when it mattered most, and uh, it was, it was a, it's been a joy to coach him, and I, I can't wait to have him be a great alum.
1: Certainly, and Sean Clark, ten uh, midfielder out of
5: Mill Valley, California, saw a lot of action,
1: I think, his last couple of seasons. Maybe not a lot of stats necessarily. Some of one of those positions were, might get overlooked, but he was a key contributor um, certainly the last few years, wasn't he?
5: No, absolutely, and, and in, in a fine line uh, that we've been blessed with um, in the last bunch of years of a guy who was a really, really good high school offensive player and, and again, uh, an incredibly – staggeringly good student. He and Tommy Atwater went to the same high school, were in the same class, got recruited at the same event. Um, And Sean Paul made the transition, you know, as early as his first year, uh, just observing and looking around and going, I can have a really positive impact on this team if I'm willing to learn how to play defense. And so you take a decorated offensive player, attackman and, and midfielder in high school, and you come to the NESCAC and come into Bates and you just devote yourself to being in the best shape you possibly can, being as physically and mentally tough as you possibly can, um, and and being a, two, a true two-way midfielder, but with a big focus on defense. And and I don't know, if you know this, I don't know how many other people outside of our team or family or the training room know it, but Sean Paul had a very serious injury that he dealt with all year long uh, in his wrist and hand. And if you were going to ask a short-stick defensive midfielder who has to jam, you know, a really good offensive player on the other team every play, what part of your body would you like to not have hurt? Uh, you would say your hand and wrist and forearm. And so uh, Sean Paul was, was incredibly tough uh, this year, and, but was, was really important throughout, throughout his career and, and uh, is working on being in, um, in officer candidate school in the Navy.
1: Awesome. Another
5: senior from uh, California,
1: Drew Collins out of Piedmont, California. Again, a guy maybe didn't necessarily get a lot of playing time. It's a very deep team, but he stuck with the program as well.
5: Yeah, he did, and and he was somebody who you know we co- coaches talk about uh, how how every team needs these people. Um, I'm not you know it's not always exciting to be this person, but Drew was that person that that made our team as a walk on uh, as a freshman. A like really really re- you know really good team, exceptionally good team, and just kept staying with it and just kept getting better. And uh, you know I I really needed to use him in a bunch of different ways. Uh, really to to help us be productive uh, as a practice team. And that was, you know, that was largely his role. And he just, he was dedicated and put his head down and, and, you know, kept on waiting for his break, kept on preparing for his break. And his break was just about to come uh, late in the spring of his junior year. And we finally decided to give him a shot. He's a big, strong, fast, athletic kid, shoots the ball well, and, uh, and just goes really hard, competes at a really high level. And we decided to take a, a look at him in the midfield as an offensive midfielder. And, boy, did he have an explosive couple of days of practice and was just about to get his first significant time in the game as a midfielder and then uh, got hurt. So, um, again, you know, he, came, he got hurt again this year, uh, came back and was just a perfect teammate. You know, filmed, statted practice, statted games, um, you know, was just an unbelievable teammate and a, and a great human being.
1: Walker Cooney, six-footer, midfielder out of Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. Um, again, a guy who maybe necessarily didn't pile up the stats, but got a lot of playing time and, and was a key contributor, certainly through his career here. What did he mean to the program? And how'd you, how'd you get in there out of the Midwest?
5: Yeah, uh, I saw him at New England top 150 and mm-hmm. um, was really impressed. And, and again, not, not unlike Sean Paul, you know, Walker was recruited as an offensive midfielder, you know, a strong, fast, really smooth athlete, a wonderful person, very thoughtful, really, really bright, and very philosophical, uh, you know, loved to stop into my office and talk about all kinds of things, even if it didn't include lacrosse, um, and just kept grinding, you know, and, and we decided a few years ago that he could really help us as, a again, a two-way defensive midfielder who was going to create his offensive opportunities by getting a stop at the other end Um, and then was somebody who really started to come into his own uh, at the end of last year and then this year uh, as an offensive middie and in our very last game in the very last game of our season and his career he played the most running on the first midfield really in a sort of three and a half four-man rotation on the first midfield Um, he played the most got the most offensive reps in the last couple games of his entire career. And so that's a really cool story, and that's a really cool arc. And uh, he was starting to get very, very comfortable. Um, I don't know how many shots he took against Western New England, but he he got his money's worth. And uh, he was really starting to – you know, he was starting to make that jump that we had seen in practice a lot, but he was starting to feel confident and comfortable enough to to do it in games. And uh, I'm really happy. I wish we had gotten to see a full season of him, but I was really happy with his progress.
1: William Holland talking this morning along with the two other captains. Six foot four out of Ridgewood, New Jersey. Um, just a, a great, you know, a strong leader there on defense. Um, he forced all those turnovers, I recall earlier in the year against Keene State. A guy who really caused problems for opposing attackers, didn't he?
5: Yeah, and I think you know Will's a wonderful example of uh, you know you hope in this program. Uh, We hope that we recruit really great people who are really focused students who also really want to explore the the upper edges of their athletic potential. And Will is certainly that man. And watching the leap that he took, people do sometimes uh, when you're a senior and you realize this is my last chance to do this at this level, um, it it, it gets your attention. And it really got Will's. And you could just tell in the fall how he conducted himself, how the other players related to him, people in his class and, and people all the way through, um, the, just the respect that he commands. Um, and, again, he's just he's got a big heart, and he's a really gracious, understanding person that relates well to everybody. And so, you know, for him to be with Matt Lestov and Curtis Knapped and already established, because they had been good leaders and, and, and very good captains as juniors, you know, to be another senior, another person in this class, to break into that, you know, named leadership group is a big deal. Uh, That doesn't just happen. And, um, you know, uh, again, I'm just – I'm really proud of – he became a, you know, a a potentially dominant defender this year as a senior. He was always good. Uh, He was always very important for us, sometimes in the midfield, sometimes down close. But, boy, you could just – you could start to see it in the fall, or from what I understood from what people told me about the fall. um, Right. He had really, really, you know, put a lot of time into the weight room and, and, and getting in great shape over the summer and kept that going through the fall. And, uh, again, became a a pillar for us, a really, really important guy.
1: Otis Klingbeal, I think he first came to my attention with the uh, MLAX Weather Instagram account a few years ago, but very talented player on the field, plagued by injuries, but when he got his opportunity, he scored a lot of goals for you guys, didn't he?
5: Yeah, I may be the the only person in the sport of lacrosse or at Bates that knows Otis more for uh, his academics, his leadership, (laughs) his artistic talent, and his ability to score goals and not right. uh, and not Bates lacrosse weather. But he is everything that you described um, as serious and focused a student as certainly that we've had on our team in this class maybe ever, also a really, really talented artist. Um, his younger brother Malcolm has some of those skills as well. Uh, but as you said, I mean, his coming out party uh, last year after missing his, his sophomore season recovering from an ACL – I mean, his coming out party against Middlebury, where I think he had five or six goals on five or, or six shots or seven shots maybe, um, I mean, it was you know, it just filled, it filled him with joy, but it filled all of us with joy. And, and just he had worked so damn hard to get back to that spot. And so, you know, for him to go through a, a, minor, a, a mini version, not nearly as bad as, as coming back from the ACL, but he was nicked up uh, a little bit this year. And, again, just would never say boo, just comes out to work as hard as anyone out there every single day. Uh, again, totally devoted to, to his life outside of lacrosse as well um, and achieves at a really high level there. And, you know, again, you want to know who Otis Klingbeil is as a, as a man. You know, go to our last game uh, when we knew that there was at least a good chance that we might not have a lot of games after that, and we were, had gotten ourselves into a pretty deep hole um, by halftime against a really good Western New England team. And Otis just, you know, tried everything he could to bring us back. And, uh, and again, I think had another five goals on sh- six shots day. You know, I, I think, again, Matt wasava attracts a lot of attention. Brendan does. Curtis Napton does. But boy, uh, in terms of his lifetime scoring percentage, I'm not sure who was ahead of, of Otis.
1: Yeah, and it's abbreviated year. He was second on the team in goals behind only Jack Scribner. But, uh, Curtis Napton, All-America Honorable Mention a year ago, one of the captains, uh, a Mainer from, from Westbrook. Uh, when, you, when, you, when you get Mainers who can be All-Americans, that's a, that's
5: a big bonus, isn't it, Coach? Yeah, I would even get more specific than that, Aaron. I would say when you can get an outstanding student athlete leader from Westbrook, Maine, who becomes a collegiate All-American, uh, you have found, uh, you know, a particularly special human being. Uh, And, again, Curtis was, since we first started to get to know Curtis, uh, Curtis struck us, impressed us with his coachability. And he's just one of those people that, you know, multi-sport athlete in high school and uh, decided, just fell in love with lacrosse and decided that lacrosse was the sport that he wanted to try to pursue at the highest possible level and uh, actually jumped out at the CBB Prospect Day, I think the first CBB Prospect Day we ever did, on a miserable day in Waterville when it was... 48 degrees and pouring rain and a lot of kids from all over the country decided they didn't really feel like playing lacrosse in front of the Bates Boat and Colby staffs and the kid from Westbrook, Maine didn't feel that way and uh, and Curtis announced to us who he was. Uh, that's why we wanted to get him, wanted him at Bates and again, he, he worked so hard as to become the first person from Westbrook's program to ever become a collegiate All-American and, and really was a force. I mean, took his game to another level last year, but then took it to another another level again uh this year and, you know, with somebody that was covered by the other team's best long pole defender and everybody was sliding to him. Um and yeah, he's just he's a great person. Uh he's a great leader and one of the best midfielders in the country. Brendan Malali, uh Mr Behind the back goal,
1: it seemed like every year he'd have at least one. <laughs> but uh he also dished out some assists here. He had nine assists during the abbreviated season. What can you say about Brendan, who I remember when he got his opportunities the first year and kind of once the team had big leads in that season, he'd come in and score some goals right off the bat so you knew what you had possibly in him from from almost
5: day one, right? Yeah, some people are natural scorers. And Brendan Mullally is a natural scorer with a really high lacrosse IQ who just is a step ahead. I mean, that's how he scores most of his goals is that he just sees not only where his teammates are going and, and where he might be to be in a great spot to catch the ball and score, um, but he's also a step ahead of, of his individual defender and the, and the team's defenders, you know, just an impossible guy to cover uh, off ball. I, I think he really started the work in the last two seasons, really started the work on, uh, on his dodging game and made great progress there. Um, but then this year, you know, realized that with Matt uh, out and, and even when Matt came back, Matt limited, um, that we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to replace not just Matt's 40 or 50 goals, but Matt's 40 or 50 assists. And as a senior uh, and a leader, Brendan took that upon himself. Uh, we would sort of make jokes about how he would become an, an assist-only guy. And as much as I loved him and praised him for be, becoming a, a great feeder, I also really implored him to become that scoring threat uh, again. Um, but, again, I, you know, I think you see it's true in all sports, but everybody, every defender is covering a different person um, if Matt Lestava is out. And I think that impacted everybody on our team, certainly the attackmen. Um, and, and impacted Brendan, you know, Matt, he and Matt hooked up for so many exciting goals over the course of their respective careers. And so Brendan had a different, you know, he had to play a different game this year. But, uh, yeah, no, he he never stopped fighting, never stopped scrapping. Uh, we just needed to, to generate more shots for him, quite honestly.
1: Sariya Ramasamy, uh, tell us about what he's meant during his time at Bates. Obviously, it's tough to get playing time, but he was sticking with the program as well.
5: Yeah, I mean, he, again, he came in with this, a really, really, really great class at a, at a time at the height of our program. Um, very, very controlled. Really good stick. I actually, uh, as a high school player, he jumped out at me uh, as a guy who could dodge and, and shoot on the run. And um, you know, was really needed to be a great practice player. Uh, he probably didn't know on a daily basis what position or at what end of the field he was going to be playing. Um, but. Again, he was very willing to do anything he could to continue to get better, which he, he tried. He worked on that every day that he was at Bates. Um, but also, you know, how can I help this team get better at practice every day? How can I help my teammates get better? And, uh, and you, if you want to be great, you have to have some selfless people like that, and Surya is one of those people. Uh, he's a very talented uh, beats and music producer, spent all of last summer interning out in, in uh, California, and that was a lot of why he, he decided – Um, to step away and and focus on school and uh, and his potential music career last year. But then when he approached me and said that he wanted to come back, um, you know, I was excited to give him an opportunity to come back, and and he was a great teammate for us this year.
1: Great. R.J. Sark, another Mainer from Cape Elizabeth, uh, had, you know, a solid season really last year with seven goals and assists as well um, as a midfielder. And and another Mainer, uh, he comes to some of those CBB uh,
5: camps as well. Yes, we uh, we actually we saw we saw R.J. at a number of events, and uh, and obviously as a as a caper we got to see him play a lot of high school lacrosse as well, and and honestly at a certain point there um, in the recruiting once we started that thought things were going in a really positive direction with R.J. I, you know I wouldn't ever say this but I kind of wanted to say you know R.J. you don't need to keep coming to all these events uh, <laughs> because everybody else is going to see what I saw which was somebody who came to the game you know somewhat late. Uh, and was just this big, strong, strapping, I mean, really has everything uh, in terms of what you want in a collegiate midfielder, big, strong, fast, smart, shoots the ball a ton, uh, you know, and again, somebody who we decided early on, and part of it was because of the people we had at his position ahead of him when he first came into the program, was, you know, you're going to help us as a defensive midfielder and and a wing and a clearing guy, you know, and then a transition offensive player, and Boy, as you just said, he really came into his own last year, I thought, as a junior. was a huge threat for us, Um, you know, was a great on-ball defender and team defender, but then was just electric in transition, and and he boosted us every time he ripped one by some poor goalie's head, Uh, you know, in transition. It it got everybody really, really excited, and again, RJ is somebody who who dealt quietly and, and really classily with some nagging injuries sort of all the way through, um, but just kept getting bigger, stronger, faster. And uh, he's another one who, boy, you you would have seen him, I predict, he was really starting to get his game uh, going towards in the last couple games. And you would have seen him have a great second half of his senior year.
1: Frank Spitz, a guy, I remember when he was a first year, I was asking around about who has to guard Charlie Fay during practice. And you told me it was Frank Spitz. He had to guard him during practice. So he got quite the intro that season also – playing all the games as well all academic type guy also he battled some injuries but he was throwing the fire right away in practice and
5: in games right yeah he really was And i'm glad that you're mentioning the all academic piece you know we're, we're we lose a lot with this class we lose leadership we lose skill we lose passion you know we just lose a bunch of great people um but our team gpa takes a gigantic hit with this graduation so uh, we, need to, we need to hope that they have imparted their, their academic wisdom to the younger guys. Frankie's just one of our toughest people. You know, if, if you saw him in class or, you know, you saw him walking around campus, you would not think uh, that inside of that tranquil, smiling human being is, is just is a lot of rage. Uh, and I mean that in the most positive way. You know, he's just – he played in one of the best high school lacrosse programs in Haverford in the country. He played against people, you know, and just like he played Charlie Fay every day, every day in practice in high school – he was covering somebody who was going to North Carolina, Duke, or Hopkins. And so Frankie came here, you know, with an edge. And that edge was something we really needed, we really wanted. Um, and, boy, you talk about a coach on the field, you know, and, again, there were times where, where Frankie was, was nicked up and Frankie had to take times out. And he wouldn't sit over in the side and, and be passive and not be part of what we were doing. He would, you, His voice would be the voice you would hear um, because he cared so much about trying to make other people better and, and making the team better. And, again, he's another one, you know, and, I put off watching that last film, Aaron, for a while until I was mentally strong enough to watch it. Um, But then I did. And Frankie had one of the best field games um, of his career. You know, and we we had a tough second quarter, but boy, around that in the first, third, and fourth, uh, Frankie was great. He wasn't good. He was great. And uh, and on a field where there was another Mitch Weiss, an an All-American defender uh, for Wenick, you know, I thought Frankie might have been the best defender on the field. We're going to miss him a lot. And then Rob
1: Strain, who it seems like, he was always in a battle for playing time uh, between the pipes as a goal uh, as, as a goalie, whether it was he, being the upcoming first year um, trying to uh, get the starting spot or trying to fend off someone else. But this year seemed like it was his position, no doubt about it. And he was he was really good in, in a short season, uh, just like he was really good uh, last year and you know his entire
4: career at Bates.
5: No, you have it exactly right. I mean, he's just been remarkably consistent, uh, remarkably level-headed with with just you know, an almost surreal ability to deal with whatever was going on, you know, whether he was the starter, no matter what year it was, um, whether he split halves, as he did for a lot of time with Mitchell Drake, um, you know, again, just this incredibly good-natured, good person who also was just a ridiculous athlete. And, uh, you know, honestly, if you ask any people that we played against, ask any of his teammates, you know, Rob was at his best, when it was most difficult. Uh, you know, if we would have a failing, uh, we'd miss a slide, and that was one where you were just going, oh, God, okay, well, this is where they score from three feet. Rob would just make, you know, a, a, an absurd save that you'd never seen anybody else make. Um, and he was also a great, great, great athlete. And I think part of what, you know, we finally got to see this year because Rob, as you say, was the everyday starter from from the get-go. I mean, he earned it. Um, and one of our most well-conditioned athletes You know, but, again, a guy who, if he wasn't our best goalie, he would have been our best something else. You know, midfielder, defender, I don't know. But he would have been. He's that great an athlete. And we went to the 10-man full-field pressure ride the most I ever have in my entire career because of Rob Strain, Um, because I knew that with him in the back of it, we were going to be able to get the ball back a lot. And uh, it was really fun to watch him do that. Um, That was part of what turned the Winnick game around, actually, um, it's also part of why we why we beat King State the way that we did. So, yeah, no, Rob, Rob was having his best year. He was having his best year. The first time really in a while that he'd been a, a full-time four-quarter starter, I thought he was having his best year.
1: And then Jack Walsh, to wrap things up uh, for the seniors here, a guy who he had to be ready. You might send him in there to handle face-offs at a moment's notice, certainly his whole career, and another guy who was all academic for the Bob Jets. Yeah, like
5: I say, this this senior class, we take a big <laughs> academic hit. I'm not sure what I did right in this class, uh, but I need to remember it and replicate it. Um, but yeah, he was he was that person. You know, th- again, sort of being a goalie, a short stick defensive midfielder, and a face off guy. I-, I think those are those are really really demanding mentally and physically, um, and you've got to prepare every day, uh, believing that this might, you know, you might get. 10 tomorrow. You might get 20 on Saturday. You might, you know, that's how you have to prepare. And uh, for a lot of lesser people, when game day comes and you don't get as many as you want, because faceoff off I mean, they want, they want to go every time, and they believe they should go every time. And, you know, when you then don't get that reward, um, you know, lesser human beings would not put in the kind of effort that Jack did uh, every day. And, and what was really cool to watch him as a senior this year, You know, with two freshmen and a junior, as are the face-off people, Jack literally took them under his wing, and he was training with them many times that I had no idea about. He just took responsibility for not just making himself better, but making the position better in our team. And, and, uh, you know, that just tells you what kind of person he is. So, again,
1: big senior class from Thomas Atwater to Jack Walsh. Uh, Coach, you know, it's been a tough year. we, We touched on it before, but, I mean, just looking at the situation off the field just for a moment, I mean, we talked with um, William Holland because he knows the Allard family, and it's great news that, you know, Jack, you know, out of the hospital. But th- that seemed like, I mean, it, 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 and you wrote a great article about this, but it, if you want to kind of recap, like, kind of where this kind of, it kind of coincided with the season ending, but all of a sudden there
5: was other news that was much more important than LaFrosse. Yeah, no, well, that's, that's really well put. look, you know, it was crushing uh, what happened to everybody. Not just us. What happened to everybody at Bates? What happened to every coach at Bates? But especially senior spring sport athletes uh, and coaches. You know, it was crushing. And we we knew we're not we're not foolish. You know, we know it's we knew it was the right thing. Um, the the point is for for everybody to stay safe and try to stay, save lives. Uh, but it was it was really difficult. And especially for this senior class, with everything that they've done, everything that they've meant to this program, how much time they put into preparing for their senior season, they thought, and I thought, and the whole staff thought um, that we were going to have a really special team this year, and uh, and I would like to say that if everybody had been healthy, uh, I believe we, we would have been vindicated, um, but that was not to be, and we just, you know, we had a lot of really, really important people hurt. We had a, a different lineup every day in practice, and yet they kept coming, and yet they kept coming, and yet they kept plugging, and, you know, even in the way that we ended it, I still thought we had a great run uh, in us. You know, Matt was going to continue to get healthy. Other guys were going to come back. And, and I think we, st- we still had a great run in us, and, and it would have been a really neat story to see how that went. But while we were all forced to leave in a way that we did not expect, um, quite honestly, to learn about Jack Allard's sickness took all of the focus away from our own uh, feeling sorry for ourselves, quite honestly, and put it towards something much bigger than us and that mattered a lot more. And so to get that, you know, as Curtis Napton, I think, uh, put out to his classmates um, when we got news of Jack and saw the video of Jack walking out of the hospital, uh, they were going to have their regularly scheduled Friday class of uh, 2020 Zoom chat. And uh, Curtis, I think it was, had said, you know, courtesy of Jack Allard, biggest win of 2020. And... That's right. That you know that is the that is the right way to frame it, um, and so yes, it puts some context uh, on you know disappointment and pain. You know, no, what really matters, what really matters, is Jack Allard walking out of the hospital and being hugged by his parents.
1: Excellent, Peter Lasagna, Thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast uh, to salute these seniors here for Mental Cross. Really appreciate it. Thank
5: you, Aaron, so much. I really, really appreciate it. They're a special group,
0: and uh, we're gonna miss them a lot. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll salute our seniors from the baseball team, which was coming off its best NESCAC season ever. That's next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, Bobcast.